And now it's time on Flame CCR to take a look behind the studio's green door to find out who is in today's chat room. Midnight, one more night without sleeping. Watching till the morning comes creeping. Green door, what's that secret you're keeping? And now, are you listening? Hi, my name's Trace Taylor, and uh, I am with John Cheek. A wonderful name, that is. I've never come across a Cheek before. So <laughs> I wonder how many Cheeks there are in England, let alone the world. Wow. <laughs> You're listening to Flame Radio on 1521 Medium Wave and online. My name is John Cheek, and today I find myself in the rather snowy, rather frosty centre of Chester. Actually, at St Peter's Church, the historic St Peter's at the Cross. With me is a lady from the other end of Cheshire, and this lady these days comes from not far from the Staffordshire border. It is the recording artist, Trace Taylor. Trace, welcome to Flame Radio. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here with you. Trace, for listeners who are not familiar with Trace Taylor, please tell us all about yourself. Okay, so the music, I was brought up being um, forced to kind of play the piano and um, didn't really like it, but actually that was a really good foundation that held me in good stead for when I was about 14, so that's back in uh, 1991. Up until then, I'd really wanted to be a detective. I wanted to be an undercover detective, just, you know, plonking on the piano a little bit here and there. I went to a Christian camp and I got born again at this Christian camp. I grew up having a faith. I was taken to High Church of England, so I had a knowledge of God, but it wasn't until I went to the New Wine camp down in Somerset. That was where I I encountered the Lord. And then my desire started to change, I found. I found that the the desire for the police started going down, and suddenly the music started going up on the weighing scales. So I started to get interested in writing music. It was quite funny, actually, through my GCSE years, when I was studying it, I would call myself all sorts of names. So I called myself a Oasis before Oasis came out. (laughs) Very funny. Anyway, so I just found that music over the years is something that hasn't left me, even though there's been times I've wanted to run away from it because I've been banging my head against a brick wall regarding, well, how do I move forward with it? What do I do with it? Ah. But it's, it's been something that has continued to be cultivated and the laws continue to progress, really. And... From those days onwards, you find yourself in a position where you're looking to make what I would call house music, UK garage-type music, and you're looking to take a Christian influence out into the nightclubs and out into the dark places at one o'clock on a Sunday morning. But we'll come to that later on. Trace, can I take you all the way back to the very beginning? Whereabouts was you born and brung up? I was born in Bath near Bristol and so that was where I was brought up and I went to university in Cheltenham. I stayed there for a few years and um, it was while I was there I remember being in my bedsit and saying to the Lord, you know the sort of things I'd really like to do and I was reaming things off and I said to him, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd love to do radio. And at that moment I kind of looked up and I sort of saw this smile in the ceiling And within a couple of days, there was a leaflet that came through from Cross Rhythms at the time that said, Cross Rhythms are moving on and moving out. Do you want to get on board? And everything in me went, yes, I want to get on board. So then I left Cheltenham, moved up to Stoke-on-Trent and joined Cross Rhythms. I'm cutting out a bit of a long story in between here. But I joined Cross Rhythms when they were at UCB, but just about to be moving to the premises where they are now in Hanley. And at the time I was working with Mike Farrington on his lunchtime show. We'll go back a bit to Bath. and I'm a Southern softy as well, so I say Bath must have been a wonderful privilege to have grown up in such a beautiful city. Did you have a a Christian upbringing? What was home life like for you? Well, home life for me wasn't pleasant, if I'm being completely honest. I was brought up going to a church, and to be honest, it was quite conflicting when you're learning about a God of love, and you're not really experiencing that in your corner of the world. But what I am very grateful for is that my mother allowed me to do these booklets, these devotional booklets called Quest, which were by Scripture Union. I remember I was 10 years old, and I just remember these books coming through the post, and I really enjoyed every night or morning 
learning or whatever it was, going through this kids booklet and it teaching me all about Jesus. It's before I'd made a commitment, but I just look back and I see that those were seeds that God was planting, planting that He was watering, that brought me to a place where finally, when I was 14 at New Wine, I actually made a commitment to Him. And at the time, Trace, and I'm asking you to go a long way back into the recesses of your memory, but sort of at that young age as a young girl, going through these quest booklets, what impression did the person of Jesus make upon you? I think you're right in that I didn't seem to really register that, oh, this is Jesus, this is Jesus. That wasn't going through my mind. What I was aware of is that I felt very stimulated when I was reading this booklet, but I felt it was touching me in a positive way. And I think probably the overriding thing that I got as I was learning about Jesus was friendship. He was a friend. I think that's the biggest thing. That's all I can really recall on that. And Trace, did you perhaps maybe equate this Jesus of the quest booklets from Scripture Union with the sort of church experience that you were maybe enduring at the time? Oh, um, no, very much I did not equate. No, it it was completely different. This booklet I was reading was (laughs) life-giving. And, you know, in some ways, I mean, I would have known it was about Jesus, but all I know is that I was excited I was excited. I really enjoyed things I had to colour, the, the questions I had to answer or whatever it was that was in there. It was totally different to what church was that I was going to. Where I'd just sit in a pew and yawn and be bored. And to be perfectly honest, never record her hearing the name of Jesus and certainly didn't hear Holy Spirit mentioned. So that was it for me. <laughs> Trace, can I ask you what type of church it was, what denomination it was? I'd say it was probably High Church of England. So the vicar there at the time, he also held and led Catholic services with all the incense and everything like that. So it was an interesting kind of combination of the Catholic and the Church of England coming together, really. Traditional Church of England, but really quite high, I'd say. And as a member of the Church of England myself, I am aware of the shortcomings of the denomination. This church attendance that you had to endure, I take it it was perhaps maybe once a week. Did you ever think, you know, where is God in all this? Well, I'll tell you something that was a saving grace, actually, was that there was a choir. And me and my brothers joined the choir. And there were a number of other children that were in the choir. So we made some good friends in the choir. And we enjoyed the singing. We enjoyed hanging out. So you can see why having friends in a church, especially like that as well, is so important. Yeah, (laughs) I think I missed the essence of your question. Not at all. I think you're probably actually recalling what the the truth of the matter was for yourself, that despite it all, God was still coming across, but he was still somehow connecting with you. At home, were you starting to become musical? My dad was always very keen with his songwriting. I remember him being in the back room with his little tiny recording kit and being very creative. So that would have had a huge influence on me, I'm sure. I think it was really when I'd committed my life to Jesus at New Wine in 1991 when I asked him into my life. So I went from just believing in God and being for someone who really would swear like a trooper to be honest because I had this very hard exterior I'd put on went to school and I would just swear my head off all the time so I wouldn't get bullied you know that kind of thing when I then crossed the threshold and invited Jesus into my life it was then that the desire for music began to grow so I found myself beginning to make friends with other musicians and and I began to just sing sing with them I was very shy and they were good in their instruments but I was very much in the background but that was where my journey began as a very shy backing singer really and we'd occasionally try and take it out onto the streets and do a bit of street evangelism (laughs) so as a girl growing up were you listening to the radio can you remember the first record that you bought yes i do remember the first record i bought which i'm sure was with my paper round money aha hunting high and low yeah love that album yeah
in general, my home life was very strict. But at the same time, I was allowed to go out with friends and stay out till all hours of the morning. So it was a very contradictory kind of message, really, in many ways that I received as I was growing up. Um, yeah, strange. And being a teenager, were your teenage years difficult? Was school difficult? Did you ever find yourself asking, what's life all about? Yeah, my teenage years were very difficult. I developed a lot of mental health issues that you know, I didn't really talk to anyone about back then. Can you take us back to that point of when you first began on the journey towards coming to faith in the first place? How old were you then? Well, that was when I was 14, nearly 15, and I was at New Wine Camp in 1991. How I got there, went with my twin brother. We went down to Glastonbury the, the, the year before with my mum and the church that we were going to. They were doing a mission, and uh, we, yeah, we had nothing better to do, me and my brother, so we thought we'd go along. But it was there that we met Mike Pilvarchi, and uh, we were in the church. It was emptied. There was just a couple of people left in this church, and there was a lady who was being prayed for, and she was shaking. And uh, I was looking at Mike and saying, what's going on there then? And so he was saying, don't worry, don't worry. It's just the Holy Spirit, you know, in a very calming way. And so that's where I was sort of learning more about the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, he prayed for me. And I had a touch of the Holy Spirit, which was lovely. So he told us about New Wine. We went there the next year. I didn't have anyone telling me that I needed to make a commitment. I just was walking around the campsite one day and I just had the words, like a loop going on in my head. Commitment, 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 commitment. So I went up to a couple of ladies on the door of one of the venues and said, I want to make a commitment. Just prior, I'd gone into one of the barns where they had a time of worship going on. And it was like nothing I'd ever seen before coming from a very traditional high church of England. There was a band on the stage and there were people in the congregation who had their hands in the air and were dancing. And I looked around, oh, I like this. This is good. Yeah. And so that hand in hand with um, making a commitment, which is uh, when I asked the Lord into my life. And that's, as I said previously, is when uh, the floodgates opened and the healing began. So for the sake of the listener, Trace, this opening yourself up to the Lord, inviting the making a commitment. How exactly does somebody make a commitment to Jesus? How did you do it? Okay, well, I was brought up believing in a God. But when I was in this venue where the, the worship was, you know, I really enjoyed it, there was a preacher that came up afterwards and basically gave the gospel and gave an invitation. And what I remembered recalling from what this man said, what stood out to me was he was talking about how Jesus can be personal and he can come and live in you. And I'd never remembered hearing that. All the Sundays I'd been to a church, I'd never heard that Jesus could come and live in you. And he was alive and he'd come and live in you and make a difference. And also he spoke about Holy Spirit, which is the first time I'd record hearing about Holy Spirit. So it's stepping from just this belief in a God that's out there to, hang on, this God can come up close and personal you can really know him and you can actually even invite him in so that he comes and lives in you, becomes one with you. And that is the difference. That's when it starts. And can somebody do that? Can I do that? Maybe in the form of a prayer, perhaps, or just crying out loud to God? Yeah. I mean, it takes, first of all, believing you have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And so I took that step and I believed that, yes, I believe in you are the son of God. I believe you died for me and I believe that you rose again. And once you've taken that step of faith to believe that he's rose again, so therefore he's alive and he can make a difference in your life, then he hears the heart cry of everyone who will believe and want to receive his son, want to receive Jesus. So whether it's from a moment of, please come into my life, it could be someone just saying, just yes, I believe in you, I believe in you, come into my life. But I think what is important is acknowledging why Jesus died. I think it's important to acknowledge that he died because of our wrong state, of the wrong things we've done and our sins. And so this reconciliation to say sorry for our sins, for the wrong things we've done, is very important, I think, as part of the process because it's acknowledging that we've not been walking with him we've done our own thing we've hurt others in the process and we've hurt ourselves and ultimately we've hurt God so that's what I'd say I'd say if there's someone listening now who is thinking yeah you know I want this Jesus yeah cry out to him wherever you are say I want you please I believe in you come into my life make my life different 
and also say to him sorry for the wrong things that you've done so that he can take that away from you and like an image I show my son a piece of white paper sometimes we put black blots on it to show the bad things we've done we say sorry Jesus takes that piece of paper with all that black stains on it and can miraculously give you a blank sheet of pure white paper it's just wonderful Amen immediately the floodgates opened and I started to cry because it was a very interesting time in my life my parents had just split up and really God's world of love it collided with mine and so I started to cry and I generally tend to say for the next eight years I was generally crying Um, but through my teenagers what I also did with God's world colliding with mine was that it just kind of seemed to take the lid off a lot of stuff and all sorts of fears I mean, yes, you know, it can be attacked from the enemy coming in as well, but I'd struggled with a lot of fears with self-identity, which came from always being told to be like someone else. I didn't have a very strong sense of self, so I struggled immensely to relax. There's no way I could get up in front of people and do any kind of performance or anything. I had lots of paranoias of all sorts of kinds, so I couldn't answer the phone because I'd have to talk to someone on the end of the phone, and I wouldn't go to parties because I'd have to meet people and be amongst people. I would struggle even just walking down a street if I saw somebody, a stranger, even coming 
coming towards me, I'd start panicking. I'd get panic attacks all the time. I'd look up at the sky and go, oh, Jesus, 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 just to help me get past a person, to walk past a person. So fast forwarding, this did develop into quite a serious mental thing, I would say. I remembered reading a passage of the Bible. It was a proverb not long before my A-levels were due to be completed. And the proverb was, if you're wise, you'll remain quiet because you're less likely to sin. And uh, the enemy seemed to just be able to immediately twist that and say, right, you can't talk. And so I went into my sick form block. I would say hello to everybody, but then I'd shut up for the rest of the day. If I wanted to laugh at something that I thought was funny, I'd hear this voice saying, no, you can't laugh, you're not allowed to laugh. So, oh, oh, gosh. So I'd shut up. And so any kind of sense of self that I did have there still was really being suppressed by me listening to this voice that was going on. And so fast forwarding again now, thankfully the Lord led me to my time of deliverance. I know along my time he did protect me from thoughts of suicide coming in. I know that he did because I got to such a state that I would have done anything because I got to a point where I thought, who am I? What am I? I'm a speck of dust floating in the universe. You know, real mad, mad stuff, really. And then I had a friend who invited me to the Bath City Church, which later became my home church when I was in Bath. And there was a, an American man there called Jerry Savelle who was preaching. I don't remember what the message was, although apparently it was very applicable to me. But what I do remember was at the end, he was calling people up at the front saying for God to, to come and they wanted to be touched on anything. And, and then he said, if you've got low esteem problems, low esteem issues, I want you to come up at the front. I think I was coming up to 16, I would have been. And I didn't initially because I said to myself, no, I always go up. I'm not doing it. I always cry. La, 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 la. He was saying, okay, if everyone else could just keep on worshipping and praising God for what's going on, that'd be great, in his voice. And I couldn't do that. I just was feeling this restlessness. And so I stopped the wrestling and went, oh, go on up, Trace. So I went up and I received a deliverance. So what happened was I was crying, as I knew I would. And Holy Spirit's clearly moving on me. A lady gently pulled me up to this front line. And I was looking down this line to my left-hand side, first of all, seeing this man, Jerry, stopping each person along the line, praying for them. And then he got to me and he put his hand on my head quite forcibly but not to push me or anything and uh, started praying for me and immediately my crying really really increased significantly and then it was absolutely incredible what happened the power of God went through him like a bolt of lightning and hit me so much that I almost got picked up and thrown back so I was going back with a real force but I was going down to the ground at the same time my arms are flailing about and I was saying save me save me because I just had tears streaming from my eyes and I ended up on the floor and uh, all I was aware of was this noise that was coming out of me I had tears streaming from my face and I saw the silhouette of this man stood over me with his hand over me like this I couldn't hear anything all I could hear was like a drone it was a droning noise coming out of me and then crystal clear I heard him say Oh. Crystal clear, I heard him say. Now, Satan, you've condemned her for long enough. Now leave. And I felt this weight come out of me and my body reacted. My body reacted as this weight came out of me. I was delivered from evil entities, entity. And I came around at that moment, just sat up and like, okay, uh, something's different here. And then there was a lady that um, helped me up and um, led me off. We did some follow-up from that. That was the beginning of an amazing healing journey. It started, it involved a lot of Christian counselling over the, those early years because I just wanted the darkness and the turmoil that was in me out. And there was a prayer that he gave me one time when I was on the train to St Albans. I used to read every day with Jesus and they get these little prayers at the end. And I remember this particular day, I'd seen some people there which I'd met from New Wine previously. And um, on the train going back, I said to the Lord, OK, I noticed that things were better. I didn't feel quite so out of myself, as I would term it. But I said to him, but something still isn't right. What is it? So I opened up the everyday of Jesus at that moment. And it was all about having a sense of self. 
And it's like, ah, this is it. And at the bottom there was a prayer. I can't remember all of it, but the essence of it was, Jesus, you have got the ultimate sense of self. Please give me your sense of self. And I made that my prayer daily. And after just two weeks, I began to notice a significant difference. In my school, where I'd have the sixth form block, there would be, from the sixth form block to the main building, there would be like um, a walkway, uh, maybe 500 yards walkway, say. And I noticed that whenever there were people that were starting to come towards me that I had to then cross, the panic wasn't so big, so great. After two weeks, I noticed a significant lessening of the fear. It was still there, but this sense of self was growing. So, yeah, so I'm just very, very grateful to the Lord for what he's done in my life. And it's absolutely incredible where he's brought me now and I see where I'm at now all these years later. And knowing a piece I never thought was possible, etc., And Trace, I'll let you wipe the tears away now and I'll let you get your breath back for a second. But of course, you were learning that the person you are is a child of God, made in the image of God, redeemed by the blood of Christ and born again as an heir of the kingdom. That is who you are. And for anybody who has Christ Jesus in their lives, that's exactly the same for them as well. Trace, thanks for being so brave and talking about these matters, and I can see even the memory of it is a very emotional one for you. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in all his love for me, all his love for me. listening to flame radio on 1521 medium wave and online our guest today is trace taylor the recording artist and trace you're describing something which happened with you to you when you were 14 that was a few years ago but you carried on your christian journey you carried on as a believer you've already alluded to times when the holy spirit has helped bring about real transformation in your life very dramatically 
Was the music always a constant in your life, both listening and singing as well, even if you're only singing in the shower? (laughs) Yes, it was always a constant. It was something that wasn't going away. I found my desire for songwriting was just increasing. I just continued doing that. I found myself with friends who played instruments and would like to play in bands and things. And so, yeah, I found that as a constant. That particularly was outworked when I was at university. I found a little band that I got involved with there. And that was when I started to venture in a more bold way, really, with uh, singing in particular. I started to learn the guitar then as well, because my housemate had two guitars and he's always playing here. So Mark Stone, give it up to you. He's an artist as well, so that's great. So, yeah, so I was kind of self-taught with the guitar, really, but heavily influenced by my friend Mark. (laughs) And I dare say being at university in Cheltenham as well probably was an influence. And my wife and I know Cheltenham well through the Greenbelt Festival, which took place there over many years. And Cheltenham is a very artistic, very creative town in this country. More and more, as the years went by, as you grew in your faith, did you see the music and your faith just overlapping becoming hand in hand well what i knew was that i just for many many years just had this desire and had this yeah this sense of something pulling on me that wouldn't go away even though there were times that i wanted to forsake it because i couldn't see how to go forward what i've learned was that it's worship first god spoke clearly to me back in 2005 and said it's worship first and anything else comes out of that and so I lead worship too and then obviously everything has to be cultivated from a heart of worship and I have the performance worship I guess you'd call it perhaps which is also very outreach and evangelistic in nature it's very crossover in nature interestingly because a lot of the lyrics I think are still really quite clear cut but there's a lot of non-Christian community that seem to actually find they can listen to it. My in-laws, my family in particular, who aren't believers at the moment and actually quite staunch against, can listen. And that's amazing. Like, whoa, OK. Mind you, they haven't listened to this latest. <laughs> that might be another story. And then coming up to sort of more recently where God's confirmed to me that I'm a Levitical priest, that's really realising who he's made me. I'm sensing that this is in the DNA of who he's created me. And it makes sense now when I look back over the years and I see the drive and the pull towards not just music but worship. Yeah, it makes sense. I feel like I've found really who he's essentially made me to be here. And it does seem as if you're a person, perhaps maybe, who is made to be there representing him on the edge, on the edge. And I mean that in two different ways. And I'll come to the first one, first of all, as somebody who comes from Essex originally. I've spent a fair bit of time in Essex nightclubs on a Saturday night, including Tots and Southend, which at one point was supposed to be the finest nightclub in the UK outside of London. And I've been exposed to nightclub culture, Saturday night culture. I'm street pastor these days so I see it from a different angle but I remember when I was in my teenage years in my 20s in nightclubs I could see so many people who would go there and for them it was the highlight of their week not just their weekend but their week and the dressing up and putting all the makeup on was all part of it certainly for the girls not so much for the blokes and of course there were people who were going to nightclubs and you know really successful pubs obviously looking to meet a member of the opposite sex but there are a huge amount of people who went there for the music and for the fashion and for the dancing because for them that was almost the only place where they felt that they could find meaning in life is that the type of environment the type of atmosphere that you're increasingly looking to address looking to get into trace yes i believe that what i'm experiencing this gravitating towards those on the edge yes definitely it's been very much within worship i have felt for a long time that i have a calling to nurture that god wants to use me as part of nurturing his body and so with that he's taken me to churches across the country and things to lead worship in different denominational churches and that's been a very interesting experience because I've, I've really had to listen to the Holy Spirit regarding a, how do you want me to meet these people to lead them where you want to lead them 
today. But in the recent couple of years, few years, I have definitely felt this, this and experienced this expansion happening where he's now taking me to what I term as a holy darkness, the holy darkness of God he's been revealing to me. And so I'm praying, you know, I've been praying, oh God, keep me. You know, it feels like a fine line at times and it feels a bit scary, but at the same time it feels exciting because it's like nothing I've ever ventured down before and it's like nothing ever thought of ever venturing down before but ultimately it will lead to these people who god wants to reach out to who are actually very far from him in areas of darkness that he wants to call into this wonderful light i really can relate to that and from my own past experience i've been chatting with people in nightclubs who have almost had like a religious experience through the music through the fashions and of course it appears to be purely secular but perhaps maybe for them somehow they have gained a degree of meaning through the music through the fashions through the dancing and therefore perhaps possibly caught a glimpse of god maybe just maybe the other type of edge that i'm thinking of also as well and i can go back to nightclubs and you know nightclubs and there can often be huge groups of people but even then there are still people who they're on their own nobody's really chatting with them nobody really wants to include them and they don't have the confidence to go out onto the dance floor they're on the edge yes certainly i'm finding that the holy spirit is leading me more and more to engage in partnerships with people who are involved in that definitely he's leading me more and more because that's his heart at the end of the day we've got the rumblings of revival are taking place right now the rumblings of revival have begun and he has got plans to see revival in all sorts of sectors of society within the homosexual side of society within those that are totally clubbed up and into the drug scene all of those areas that's what I'm sensing very strongly so I'm very glad and I'm also not surprised that he's leading me now more and I'm very grateful I think okay thank you Lord I feel like I'm starting to tread on territory I've never been on before but I know he's gone before me and he's opening it up and one of the partnerships of God is with the Extreme Tour which is based in America in Nashville every year they travel the east and west coast of America and also internationally now specifically doing outreach for young people that hang out at such places as skate parks and things like that and also within my EP there's a branch which I'm calling the Ibiza branch. A number of years ago I always wanted to write music to get into clubs and now finally I'm finding that that branch of music is beginning which is very exciting because the fact that the thinking that Lulla Love which is based on 1 Corinthians 13 could potentially get into nightclubs the people are dancing to that would just be phenomenal and that certainly is a dream. Yeah.
Well, it's a dream which is beginning to be realised because I'm sitting here now with a copy of the album The Eshua Tree, which has got the Little Love remix. Just very briefly, Trace, can you tell us about how it came about <laughs> and also the inspiration behind certain tracks like Access and Little Love and Speech to the Silent Heavens as well? I've had desires of doing lots of different kind of music projects and it was really wonderful to wake up one day and realise that unplanned I already had three separate music projects being recorded alongside each other just kind of happened so one of those was I had a friend working on a remix from my 2015 album It Is Finished and so the track on there called Lulla Love my friend took Soul Fresh Studios and remixed it so it's now that's like a dance Ibiza club version I also at the same time had a devotional taking place which is Speech of the Silent Heavens which is Psalm 49 and 118 yes this is all part of something else that God's cultivating in me because I'm writing an evangelistic tool at the moment called from nothing and it's all about the invisible and the visible and how they connect and how they are intimately entwined and so that is all about when people always come up to you and say i don't know how you can believe in something you can't see it's like well actually you do believe in the invisible and so it's starting off with looking at the things in our world which are invisible that every day we rely on starting off with that which would then end up leading to that next step of faith which is well you know that you believe in the invisible so let's look at the concept of an invisible creator behind it so speech of the silent heavens is all based really on the beginnings i'd say of this being cultivated in me of this desire to to say look the stars the stars are silent you look at them and they are shouting very very loudly and that's an incredible concept when you think of it something that's silent but that is incredibly loud i just find it amazing So that track is to encourage people to open up their eyes to, look, creation all about is talking and it's talking of the glory of God.
And moving on to Access, I say Access and the Flight and Yeshua. A lot of songs I write come out of visions, or spiritual experiences, I have to be honest. Access, I was uh, watching God TV at the time out in our snug. Wendy Alec in particular was watching and she said this prayer. And it was the way she said it, suddenly it's like, wow. She said, Jesus, I thank you that you have made a way to the Father. It was the way she said it and it hit me and I looked up and I saw Jesus in the spirit stood in front of me and he had his crowns on, he had his robe on, just had his arms out and he was looking downwards. So he wasn't looking at me and then he put his right arm out and he followed it with his head and as I followed his action, I saw that it led to this big door that was open, it was the door of the throne room light was coming out of the throne room door and father was in there and I suddenly got really really excited because I knew what he was saying He's saying Trace you can go through you've got access you've got access and it's like for the first time out of all my Christian walk it was incredible there'd been so many times in my Christian walk where I'd say God I know that you love me but there's something in me that doesn't feel it doesn't know it and I don't know what it is and I don't know how to address that And it's because I had not known or meditated on, been told, whatever, that Jesus is the door, the way to the Father. It's about the Father. So at that moment, I had my homecoming. I had my revelation all those years later, what, 25 years or so down the line of being a Christian. Jesus gives me this revelation of, I'm the door. Now you can go through. And I run through to the throne room and I go up to Father and I'm home. I had that feeling of, I'm home, this is it. Oh my goodness. Absolute change, absolute change. Incredible. So access, all the words, the lyrics in that are the picture of what I saw. Yes. And so made the listener go through as well. Savior 
Trace, our time is marching on, so therefore one final question. This God, this Father, if you are asked to describe him, what's he like? He is light and he is extremely generous. This is the latest thing that he has brought to my attention. I don't recall the scripture off the top of my head. It's in Ephesians. It talks about where in Christ we have every spiritual blessing. It's at least five verses. It's not just that verse. But if you read those verses and you look into it, you realize the generosity of God. He talks about how he wants to lavish on us. That word is used. If I was to use one word in particular that would encourage someone today, it would be, he is generous. And think about, what does generous mean? What does generous make someone? When you think of someone as generous, what does that tell you about their character, about their heart? Incredible. And somebody wants to just lavish on you? You know? Yeah. You're listening to Flame Radio on 1521 Medium Wave and online. My name is John Cheek, and it's been an absolute privilege to have been spending this time with the recording artist, Trace Taylor. Trace, thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, you are, you shoo-wah, you Yes, you are, you Oh,
We've closed the chat room door, but please tune in next time to Flame CCR on 1521 Medium Wave for more from Green Door Studios chat room. Green Door! We hope you enjoyed this program, which is under the copyright of We're All Christian Media Limited. Details of the Flame CCR broadcasts and webcasts are on our website, www.flameradio.org. Thank you for listening. Flame.